0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18
1: plus. A-U-M. American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life,
2: pat them
1: on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, load their bodies, Tuck them into bed at night and tell them that everything will be alright when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, though so the human God, the politician, beats incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar? The public? Or the All revolutions have been led by young people.
3: If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the
1: young people, it's the college people who are more principal and not logged in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful view have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all, but unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome.
4: It is the American Underground Network Collective Consciousness Show with Jim Condon Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio; Fred Smart in Evanston, Illinois; Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina; now live from Portland, Oregon, your host, Stevie Farrell.
5: Hello, everybody, and happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you all. Thank you for coming in for Jim. We're such uh, always a thrill to have him in. Uh, there's so much going on in everybody's lives, and it's nice we can get together and, and, and come together and have our questions answered by someone that's definitely in the know. And uh, Jim, I, I'm happy to have you here. Fred couldn't be here. I thought he would be, but then I realized he wasn't. So I thought, okay, well, that's good. I'll talk to Jim. I'll get all the fun. And so um, <laughs> uh, I keep pretty much abreast of what's going on. I'm sure you have. Uh, lots of uh, updates and things, and uh, I know that the things that are have, happening and happening every day are not to the benefit of the deep state, <laughs> which is something we can also celebrate. Uh, <laughs> so welcome, Jim.
6: Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, there have been uh, some significant developments on at least four different fronts where I have Absolutely. done A great deal of research, published books, made videos, conducted conferences. Uh, The the first is regarding 9-11, that the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York has taken the first steps toward convening the 9-11 grand jury. The second is that James A. Fields, Jr., has been wrongfully sentenced to life in prison in Charlottesville uh, when he wasn't even driving the car. Uh, the third is that uh, I am Mike Palachuk, and Dave Gehary for Moonrock Books have been sued by Gerald Posner. It's quite ridiculous, but interestingly, the AP reporter writing about it was caught falsifying the story. I recorded my conversation with him before he published, and he simply went forward and gave a completely distorted Characterization of the suit and what was going on here. And then, fourth, is that Stephen Curry, who's perhaps the best player in the National Basketball Association, has spoken out about the moon landing having been a hoax. He's receiving a lot of criticism for it, but I support him 100%. I put out a number of tweets about it. And, uh, you know, I can talk about each one of these four. And all I was asking myself is whether you would prefer for me to pause and take questions about each one as we address them, because otherwise you have these four very, very different stories to consider in in questions at the end. So I thought perhaps, okay. perhaps the best thing to do is to take them one at a time. Now, if you go to my blog, and I, uh, my old blog was wiped out, but fortunately I had a very smart who suggested we move to a new blog? We took six to eight weeks to move the 770 individual blogs I'd published there since 2011. That was a rate about one every three days. And when I came back to announce I was moving to a new blog at jamesfetzer.org, believe it or not, the blog was gone, vanished. All the links, all the connections, totally gone. I've also been frozen out of my Facebook page. So you know they're taking measures here to come after me,
2: and I think yeah. this uh,
6: this lawsuit about Sandy Hook is uh, one more measure in an effort to support a story that's been unraveling steadily, virtually from its first announcement on the 14th of December 2012.
5: Right. Yeah. No. Let's do that, uh, Jim. Let's uh, go one subject at a time. We have a lot of people, and uh, then we'll we'll do a. We'll do a, a Q and A after each subject. And I think that's a good idea for you, because then in the end you can give a closing, and you won't be. And everyone, uh, star six yourself to unmute if you have a question. I can see your unmute and so can Steve. So we'll try to uh, we'll try to get to everyone with. So if every if everyone could ask a question or two, and then and then let someone else have a shot at it, and then if if there's more questions and no one's p- piping up to come in again, but um, And then, how's that sound, Jim?
6: That sounds fine. That sounds just fine. Well, then let me start with what looks like a a giant step in the right direction, namely that the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York is uh, taking steps toward convening a 9-11 grand jury. Now, while that sounds super good, there are inherent risks. We've been there, done that before. We had a 9 11 commission. David Ray Griffin did a brilliant job of exposing it in a series of books, including especially the 9 11 Commission Report Omissions and Distortions. Just to give you an indication of how incompetently it was conducted. The can, I a question,
5: of, Jim, can, yeah. can I interrupt you just a second? Is the one that you're talking about, the new grand jury, the one that was put in play by the Lawyers for 9 11 Truth? well yeah, they
6: are they are, they are uh, uh, taking credit for it whether that's fully deserved or not is a good question because I'm quite convinced that oh well lawyers for 9 eleven truth yes yes that's right
5: yeah, yeah. oh okay yeah. yes the big group that put that in motion yeah
6: right which 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 may be a, a reputable organization I'd certainly oh, like yes. to think I'd certainly like to think so
7: But yeah with my that's, My
6: experience, which is quite considerable with two other groups, namely architects and engineers, headed by Richard Page and the Do group led by Judy Wood, I have long since been forced to conclude that those were limited hangouts. They were giving a partial explanation of how it was done, and both organizations refused to address who was responsible and why. Now, needless to say, the American people aren't going to, care about nanothermite or even directed energy weapons if they don't have a context or a framework. And because they won't address those issues, we're left hanging. And I think this is the reason why, even though architects and engineers have scarfed up by far the lion's share of donations from the public, that they have made very limited progress. We hear endlessly about Building 7. But once again, while yes, Building 7 came down in a classic controlled demolition without a narrative of who is responsible and why, we don't have a a framework for appraisal. It's also the case that architects and engineers promote a nanothermite theory of how it was done that is hopelessly inadequate, in fact, back in 2011. T. Mark Hightower, who's a chemical engineer, and I published three different articles about nanothermite. One, uh, uh, has nanothermite been oversold to the 9-11 truth community on 1 May 2011? A second is uh, uh, 9-11 truth based upon, or the search for 9-11 truth based upon a false theory uh, on the 17th of April 2011. And then uh, uh, Mark primarily nanothermite if it doesn't fit you must acquit on 27 August 2011 now the core of what we were explaining is that nanothermite is a very feeble explosive it only has one thirteenth the explosive force of TNT which is the universal standard in other words it would take 13 times as much nanothermite to have the same effect as one unit of TNT not only that but one of the principal proponents of the nanothermite theory, uh, Niels Herrett, who's an associate professor emeritus of chemistry, I believe, at Copenhagen, has estimated that it would take hundreds of tons of thermite to, nanothermite to do the job. In a more precise calculation, he estimated from 29,000 metric tons to 143,000 metric tons, roughly speaking, that would be like filling one of the Twin Towers with circus peanuts. I mean, it's a completely absurd theory. And when all other explosives are more powerful, why would anyone resort to nanothermite? The problem with Judy Wood's due to hypothesis, where oddly enough she denies she even has a theory, is that uh, she's never been able to explain it or defend it, and she deliberately has neglected, failed to take into account research research conducted by the U.S. Geological Survey of dust samples at 35 locations in Manhattan, which turned up a host of elements that would not have been there had this not been a nuclear event, including barium and strontium, thorium and uranium, lithium, lanthanum, yttrium, chromium, tritium, some of which only exist in radioactive forms. Not only is, are these dust samples the best evidence we have of what happened on 9-11, uh, but the population exposed, the first responders and the, the local residents, have experienced a stunning incidence of odd medical maladies, including multiple myeloma, uh, 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 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, leukemia, thyroid, pancreatic, brain, prostate, esophageal, blood and implant- cancers, where as of March 2011, no less than 1,003 first responders had died from various cancers. The, the data now today would show many more. The estimates is, have run as high as 70,000 who are going to die from these medical maladies, which incidentally are quite analogous to what occurred at Chernobyl when there was a reactor meltdown in the Soviet Union. So there are reasons why I'm very concerned about what's going on here and, frankly, don't have confidence it's going to turn out properly. I'm particularly troubled by the role of Richard Gage here, but also Judy Wood. Uh, incidentally, uh, because the Mossad played the major role on 9-11, uh, where I have published a lot about it, including, for example, Uh, A recent book entitled, America Nuked on 9-11, Compliments of the CIA, the Neocons, and the Department of Defense, and the Mossad. I believe that they are actually running interference on behalf of Israel, uh, one indication of which is the following. Uh, Judy Wood has a hitman by the name of Thomas Potter, who sent me rather atrocious attacks. Uh, on a number of occasions in one instance there were about a dozen to whom he had copied and when i hit a respond all one bounced back and came from the adl the anti-defamation league
2: which was very
6: very odd indeed were it not the case that judy was affiliated with them in that regard so you know let me open up to questions here you can find uh... An article wow. I have it now on the new blog. In fact, if you go to the yeah. new blog at You can look in the, you know, the most recent blogs there, and I'll be talking three of the four stories I'm discussing are ones you can find there in great detail.
5: Okay, uh, Jim, I'm going to call on Betty Smith, who's with the Lawyers Committee for 9/11. She's uh, also our token yeah. founder, and uh, along with Steve Harris. Are you there, Betty, to yeah, to address? Here. Okay, go ahead and speak up, and, and I'll give you first shot at Jim on this on this grand jury. Well, I an he, it is the yeah. lawyers' committee for nine eleven that's got this uh, grand jury thing going, right? Right. Okay. Well, I just want to let um, Jim know that you've been working on that, w- working for them, and because. He seemed a little confused when I said "lawyers for 9/11," but it's Lawyers Committee for 9/11. Okay, go ahead, Ben. You don't you don't have to speak, Betty. Yeah,
6: I don't think it's for 9/11 truth. It's for Lawyers Committee for 9/11 justice.
5: In no, any inquiry. Case. inquiry, inquiry, inquiry,
7: inquiry.
5: Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, Aren't they tied? They're not tied in together. But the the uh, w-
7: website is uh, lawyers lc for 911 dot org.
5: Okay. What? Okay all right good then I'm I'm straightened out now go ahead ahead, you
7: guys well to me it's exciting it's been a lot of uh, research and uh, of course there's all kinds of different theories out there but at least there's some something going going to try legally and all we can do is hope for and be on the positive side uh, of all this because I look at it this way: uh, all the people that suffered and died, and all that—you know—the suffering has been horrible, I and mean, it's into the thousands, and they—they they don't get recognized. It's the it's the ones that did die, and and on the on that day, it, the the number is always there, but very few that talk about it add the numbers up to the present day. Present day, and uh, to me, there has to be justice for all, all of them. And yes, we got to give the gift of justice yes, to just all those that have suffered.
6: I mean, just to huh? follow up on that, nine eleven was used as a justification for the war on terror, which included our immediate invasion of Afghanistan, where there we are still there seventeen years later. This is the longest war the United States has ever fought. And of course, the invasion of Iraq, the slaughter of Libya, what's going on in Syria. It was Wesley Clark who explained the plan that really was the agenda which 9 11 was designed to motivate to take out uh, set the governments of seven countries in the next five years, beginning with Iraq and Libya, ending with Syria and then the Persian nation of Iran, which just happened to be both nations that serve as a counterbalance to Israel's domination of the entire region. So but my concern is, is simply that the, the committee and its pursuits have suitable, adequate scientific uh, advice and experts, uh, which I'm sorry to say I don't believe you're going to get from 9-11, uh, Truth and Justice, or, or Architects and Engineers. Let me give you just one nice point about about nanothermite to illustrate what I'm talking about. It turns out for a high explosive to destroy a material, its detonation velocity must be equal to or greater than the speed of sound in that material. Uh, that means you'd have to have a detonation velocity of a, at least... 3,200 meters per second to destroy concrete, 6,100 meters a second to fragment steel, but the highest recorded detonation velocity for nanothermite is only 895 meters per second. So I applaud the lawyers for moving this far. I'm simply very concerned that there may be a, a sabotage of the effort to get at the truth and to establish a modicum of justice. But I applaud, I applaud the effort.
7: But we still have to put that energy into a positive light of we will know somehow in in the end of of, of hopefully the decisions that finally come out of all of this I think we're going to learn a lot more as we go, more of fact. Well, there have
6: been. I mean, something I do uh, give uh, Judy Wood credit for is she did file a lawsuit in New York. It was acquired by Judge Hellerstein, who has modeled up any efforts to pursue 9-11 through the courts of New York. So I predict with great confidence if Hellerstein is at all involved here, It's going to be unsuccessful because he will make it impossible to go forward. That's just my observation based on past experience.
7: Yeah, and we look look at all the suffering and the deaths, all those that have gone to war since uh, you know, nine eleven. You have to add all those lives in there too. Yes, millions. So we can't just let it just lay there and nothing happen. We have to show something uh, that's being done. Instead yep, of just I you know, we can't just keep talking about it. We got to do something. Yeah,
6: please, please know that I support the effort. That I support the effort. I'm simply you know pointing out areas that may be potential hazards for in terms of its success.
7: Okay, I, good. I, yeah, I I think there's there's a lot of watch on everything that's going on I think I think everybody's pretty sensitive to that yeah good
5: anyone else have a question for um, on 9-11 before we move on for Jim or comment okay nice quiet group (laughs) all right do you want to anything else Betty or or wait is someone speaking Yes.
3: Yeah, I have one. So Jim, the nano thermite was just used Ready. to cut the steel, wasn't it?
6: Well you see that the 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 nanothermite people, architects and engineers, have sometimes conceded that it couldn't have done the job by itself. But the fact is that it really is non-explosive. It's true. If you were to combine it with something that were explosive, you could achieve effects, but they've never specified what that would be. So the situation is like toothpaste. It's also non-explosive, but it could be combined with something that's explosive. It's very clear that this was a nuclear event. When you get deeply into it, you'll find there are two or three different ways it might have been done. The most interesting Appearing in a recent memorandum series on 9 11, edited by Robert David Steele, which you can discover at his website. These, this is the 9 11 memorandum series for the President of the United States, in which I assisted him in the con- composition, where uh, Joe Olson talks about how the Twin Towers were designed as a tube within a tube. So you had the massive 47 core columns at the center. And then there were these uh, 230 external steel support columns, and they were connected to the core columns by steel trusses filled with four to eight inches of concrete. But the variance was because the trusses were four inches deep, so in some places it was four inches in others eight inches deep. That meant we had in each floor an acre of concrete on a steel truss. Now, the, the theory that Joe articulates there, and I find it quite fascinating, is that you had a, a single four-kiloton nuke. This is much, much smaller than had been proposed by Dmitry Kolosov, a Russian nuclear expert who talked about 150 kiloton, which were so strong they would have leveled all of Manhattan. A fourth kiloton going up the inner tube, in other words, destroying the inner tube from the bottom up and then bringing about as a consequence the destruction of the outer tube from the top down and of course that's what we witness visually we see the buildings blowing apart from the top down where all the floors remain stationary waiting their turn in the memorable words of morgan reynolds to be blown to kingdom come the buildings being converted into millions of cubic yards of very fine dust and when it's over it's destroyed, too, or even below ground level, as Father Frank Morales reported to me as a first responder from St. Mark's Episcopal Church twice on two different radio shows where I interviewed him. Contrast with Building 7, where you have all the floors coming down at the same time, and when it's over, you have a stack of debris equal to about 12% of the height of the original 47 floors, or 5.5 floors absolutely classic in terms of our experience with controlled demolitions but at the twin towers there's no corresponding stack of debris had they been classic controlled demolitions you would have had 12 percent of 110 floors or 13 and a half floors approximately instead there's nothing there so because of which i refer to Building 7 is having been subjected to a classic controlled demolition, but 1 and 2, the North and South Tower, to a demolition under control, but it was certainly not classic and appears to have been designed specifically for the occasion.
2: So you
3: think the nuke was in the basement?
6: On that theory, yes. On what I have adumbrated, it was a sophisticated arrangement of mini micro-nukes distributed through the building. The argument I've heard that's caused me pause is that the detonation of some of the nukes would have affected the others, so that I find that Joe Olson's a very interesting alternative, but it would be most certainly appropriate to have a conference on how it was done, given that we know from the U.S. Geological Survey the elements that were present there that it had to have been a nuclear event. Okay. Do you know if Trump? Do you know if Trump's behind 9/11 truth? Well, it's very interesting that on the day of 9/11, he was interviewed on, as I recall, it was tt 9 in New York City on the street, and he explained that the same builders who had constructed the World Trade Center now worked for him. That it would have been impossible for airplanes to bring down the buildings. That he thought something else had to be involved. He specifically mentioned bombs. Which of course that's explosive devices and he was certainly correct about it. I'd like to believe he would support this. A number of us have hoped, however, we would have heard more about it from him already by now.
3: Yeah, I I knew that he made that comment, but uh I was just wondering if he you know, he's behind it or doing or would be actively pursuing it now that he's president, you know.
5: Well, he's got a lot on his plate, as you know. I imagine in his second term he'll get – he has talked about it, though, I just have to say in his defense. I think he's well aware of the need to make it a a more major issue, but I'm hoping he'll move forward with that as well.
2: All right.
6: Thanks, Thanks, Jim.
5: Sure. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jay. (laughs) Okay, Jim.
6: (laughs) Now so we turn to Charlottesville then. We have, uh, I yeah. have a blog, James A. Fields, Jr., wrongfully sentenced to life in prison in Charlottesville car attack when he wasn't even driving the car. And if you go to the blog, you'll see we have there a fourfold image. Two on the left are the actual driver of the car. And then on the right, you see the two candidates. The one is a 32-year-old military veteran who commands a battalion, of reservists in Ohio, the other is the 20 year old diagnosed schizophrenic wearing dark prescription glasses, James Field. It's obvious Field is not the party who was driving the car, it was the 32 year old. And what I find frustrating about this is I've been speaking out about this for quite a long time, virtually since the event took place. I've written, for example, several times now to all 80 plus members of the Department of History at the University of Virginia, where I myself taught twice as visiting associate professor in 1977-78 then as visiting full professor spring semester 1984-1985. So I have great affection for Mr. Jefferson's university. But they, they none of them, including the president, the, the provost, the vice provost, have shown the least interest. More recently, I wrote to the Commonwealth's attorney for charlottesville who unbeknownst to me at the time i first wrote was actually prosecuting the case but if you scroll down you'll see i wrote to him to explain there were two different cars both dodge challengers one had a black racing stripe one didn't one had a sunroof one didn't so were the two different drivers as i've already identified and two or even three takes now if you scroll down you'll see here's a an image of a car, a single one of the Dodge Challengers approaching the, the crowd, and there's a black Toyota pickup truck ahead of it on the right. But you go down lower, and you find a different situation where you have a Dodge Challenger approaching, and there's no black Toyota pickup truck. And most startling of all on the right, You see the most dramatic variation here, where the Dodge plows into the rear of two different vans that had been parked there for at least five minutes with no occupants, lest they suffer whiplash or damage to their backs from the collision, where when I observed the way the driver backed out, it would have done credit to a NASCAR driver. I certainly couldn't have done it, and I take a certain pride in my driving ability. It also turns out, by the way, that woman who was identified herself as Susan Bro, who's supposed to be the mother of Heather Heyer, who's the woman who's supposed to have died during the car crash for which he was found guilty of her murder, uh, uh, which seems fantastic in and of itself because obviously that could have been viewed as collateral damage for whoever was driving the car. She didn't actually die at the scene. She died the following day of a heart attack which Mona Alexis Presley has established, where Mona has done completely brilliant work on Las Vegas, discovering that when she tracked the obituaries from Las Vegas, they were based upon persons who died in different states or on different dates or from different causes of death. So playing games with obituaries is not anything new. What's interesting here is that uh uh uh, susan bro has appeared all over the place some of the stories about this you have her four or five times including in videos but notice the fourfold photographs i have here the mother of alleged victim heather Heyer. but have we not seen this woman before please compare her with the sandy hook mother of victoria soto one of the teachers when we let the two images overlap each other and change in transparency it's a perfect match so it seems like Susan Bro, mother of Heather Heyer, and Donna Soto, mother of Victoria Soto, a teacher at Sandy Hook, is one in the same crisis actor. Indeed, it's even worse than that, or equally bad. That's certainly the most telling, because we also had the report at the time that a Virginia State helicopter crash and two Virginia State troopers died, except that we have video following the crash, and you see the two of them in their flight suits emerging, they're perfectly healthy, neither of them died, which is particularly remarkable given that even the National Transportation Safety Board reported that they'd both been killed. Now an independent U.S. attorney by the name of Timothy Heakby had reviewed the official report on Charlottesville, and when I discovered his report I reviewed it and found he'd made the calamitous errors of not identifying the right driver of accepting Susan Brough as a mother, mother of Heather Heyer and believing falsely that these two Virginia state troopers died in the crash. But even though I wrote to him about it, even though I've now written to the Commonwealth's attorney for Charlottesville about it, and incidentally I have now submitted a report to him to the Virginia State Bar for dereliction of duty and wrongful prosecution, Nothing has come of it. I've even published a book about it. If you go to the bottom of the blog, you'll see how I have really—that's a, a wonderful piece of work entitled "Political Theater in Charlottesville: Foe Terrorism in Three Acts," produced by leftist zealots, which is available at moonrockabooks.com.
5: Yeah, we've got all those books listed on the on the on the newsletter too. Uh, apparently, so yeah, you can check them out. God, what a story, Jim. <laughs> Boy, I, well, it, yeah, it really
6: well, is. Dede, if I hadn't lived through it, I would hardly believe it myself. But I've been writing to these people. I've been publishing this. I have a list of hundreds. And I, I've shared these articles with those hundreds, you know, uh, many of whom, by the way, I've, I've sent these stories to those members of the Department of History, believing that they might care about the history of Charlottesville in relation to Mr. Jefferson's university, to me, it's it's shocking and embarrassing
5: at the same time. Yeah. Gosh, man. Wow. I Well, I, I know there's a lot of controversy about it. It's been covered by several people, but with all you've done, you'd think there'd be some kind of response. <laughs> That's crazy.
6: I know. Does anyone have any questions about Charlottesville?
4: Hey, Jim, this is Steve in Charlotte. I just want to say, yeah, we've got uh, uh, congratulations on your book. And uh, we've got that uh, with a link where you can get Jim's book up on the website, aunetwork.tv, and also a link for all Jim's books that he has uh, with his uh, publisher. So uh, all that's uh, posted on the website. But uh, congratulations on that, Jim. Good book. uh, uh, Oh, oh, thank you. Going over that.
6: Thank you. That's, That's wonderful. I'm glad to know.
4: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for being on with us. Any any
6: any other questions about
4: Charlottesville? Okay,
5: someone needs to mute themselves. <laughs> okay.
2: Oh. Let's
5: see. All right. Uh, okay, Jim. Uh,
2: well,
6: well, Personal involvement enough, here's uh, the latest development about Sandy Hook.
2: Oh, great, yeah.
6: This is also a blog you can find. It's the fourth one listed. Fake news about false flag lawsuit AP reporter caught falsifying stories. Here's what has occurred. Leonard Posner, who claims to be the father of one of the children alleged to have died during the mass murder of 20 kids and six adults at Sandy Hook Elementary School on 14 December 2012, filed a lawsuit against me, Mike Palacek, and the company, Moonrock Books, on 27 November 2018 for defamation by denying that his son Noah had died at Sandy Hook. And I was served on 29 November 2018 at my home here in Wisconsin. It was therefore unsurprising when I received a call from an AP reporter, Pat Eaton Ross, who hangs his hat with a Hartford Courant in Connecticut on 4 December 2018 about the suit. His call was dropped almost immediately, so I called him back. I reviewed basic facts about the book at the core of the case, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, 2015, which includes contributions from 13 experts, including six current or retired PhD professors, which Amazon.com had promptly banned. Now here you can hear our conversation, which I recorded. Here it comes. Well, I'm hoping it'll play.
5: <laughs> That's okay. We're the, we're still here.
6: <laughs> good, good, good. Stand by. Okay. I have the full transcript in the article. Professor, I just had a phone call from uh, AP in Connecticut, and the phone cut off.
2: I just cut it off. I wanted to record so re- I- re- uh,
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Hey, Pat, it's Jim Spencer. return your call. I did not cut you off. I don't know why it happened. But. Okay.
1: I'm just trying to give you response to my doctor's lawsuit.
3: Right. There's a piece that's, uh, I've just uh, published two pieces on my blog at org that are related to this. If you want to know the background, I did a very
6: extended uh, Discussion about Sandy Hook update, Tracy loses, Wolfgang wins. The deep state strikes back that's on bit You can watch that to get the background. Uh, The lawsuit has no merit whatsoever. It's another effort to suppress the exposure of the Sandy Hook hoax, where we know the school had been closed by 2008, that there were no students there, that it was a two-day FEMA drill to promote gun control. This is all thoroughly documented in the book I published back in 2015 that 13 contributors, including six current or retired PhD professors. We have no axe to grind. We only care about the truth. The government has been perpetrating these frauds on the American people since Obama nullified the Smith-Mutt Act of 1948 in the Smith-Mutt Modernization Act of
2: 2012 which was clearly intended to lay the foundation for a whole series of phony
3: events, including the Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, the San Bernardino, uh, Charlottesville, Parkland, Las Vegas,
6: where I'm bringing together experts on these and publishing books about them at MoonRocketBooks.com, which I had to found after Amazon banned the first
2: book, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, which went on sale on 22 October
6: 2015 and was banned on 19 November, after an intervention from first edition, which claimed they wanted to put me on their television program to discuss our Sandy Hook research, but I had to do a pre-interview first, and I found myself in what I'm convinced was... Uh, a basement operation at Langley, where I was being subjected to a professional interrogation about what you got. I said, "Well, we got you know 15 contributors, including six current and retired PhD professors. What you got? Well, we got 50 photographs showing that the uh, uh, used an empty house, uh, furnished an empty house to be the Audubon's uh, home. What what you got? Well, we got uh, 50 more photographs of refurbishing the school, including a classic where the the SWAT team uh, is already there. You can tell that it's before the event has occurred because you can see four windows just above the roof of the vehicle in Classroom 10 that are undamaged. After the event, they would be damaged. The second, in particular, would be shot out. You come down to Flagpole, and there's a familiar figure requiring you to get to the wall with his arms folded Wayne Harbor awaiting the arrival of his portable mortuary tent. There's crime scene tape up for a crime that is yet to be committed. We initially, at the time of the book, thought it had been taken the morning of the 14th. It actually turns out, from shadow analysis, had been taken the evening of the 13th. We have the FEMA manual for the drill, which I
3: published in the book. You can find it in Appendix A. Uh, we, we prove. They closed the school by 2008
6: because it was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards been damaged by a hurricane. There was even a major flood in the area of 2007. It was not habitable. Wolfgang Helbig has now established that they were actually using
2: Chalk Hill for the students at Sandy Hook surreptitiously. In order to preserve
6: the illusion that Sandy Hook was still an operating school. But it's even easy to demonstrate that it was not, even based upon an aerial photograph of the parking lot of where you can see. Uh, um, yeah, so, Greg, I
3: spread all your stuff good. Uh, online. Okay, good. okay good. 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 I also lived in Connecticut for years. I was at Sandy Hook that day. Well, I don't I know these people. people. I I you know, are, I, people. are you alleging that they have kept all these families, so called actors, for eight years on a payroll somewhere? or? Book, I mean, because they're all still living, and they're all still in Family Hook, and their homes are there, and you can visit them, and uh, the graves huh. are all still there. So I, I, I'm really would I would hate to think
6: you've been played by this, but look, we're going to have a very vigorous legal defense against Leonard Posner, who appears to have been assigned the role of taking down research that would expose the hoax. If you could read my book and still believe it was real, I would suggest that there's something – problematic about cognitive function, because it's overwhelming that this was an elaborate scheme. In fact, Wolfgang even has photographs of eight of the Sandy Hook girls alive and well. You ought to take a closer look at the evidence, because you are being plagued. All
3: right,
6: thank you very much. I got it. Imagine my surprise, therefore, when a the story <laughs> appeared, and he declared that Mike Palachuk and I were the authors rather than the editors of the book. <laughs> which is a gross multiplication of the facts of the matter, which I had even summarized for him immediately before he published his story, as you have just heard, which, as an AP syndicated article, has been published worldwide. I mean, it's been in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Daily Mail, the Hartford Courant, of course, and the Wisconsin State Journal. So I have dutifully written to the paper, which is by far the largest in Wisconsin where I reside, explaining that this appears to have been done because once you know there were 13 contributors, including six PhDs, the likelihood that we would be wrong in our conclusions becomes exceedingly remote, not impossible, of course, but with a probability approaching zero as its limit. Here's my letter to the Wisconsin State Journal, which I submitted on 9 December 2018, with a title, Fake News About Sandy Hook Suit, giving a link to where this story had been published in the paper. Editor, the AP reporter who sent out the story about a Sandy Hook father suing me and Mike Palichak falsified the most basic facts of the matter. We did not author the book, but edited the book, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, 2015, which has 13 contributors. The book was produced by CreateSpace, a subsidiary of Amazon, and went on sale 22 October 2015. After selling nearly 500 copies in less than a month, it was banned by Amazon.com on 19 November, no doubt because it blows the case apart and exposes the scam. Six of the 13 Our current or retired Ph.D. professors, one of whom had published 80 articles about Sandy Hook before I edited the book, I myself had published 30. We discovered that the school was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards and had been closed by 2008. It was a two-day FEMA drill presented as mass murder to promote gun control with a rehearsal on the 13th going live on the 14th. Some participants became confused about the dates and put up donation websites the day before the shooting is alleged to have taken place. I explained this to the AP reporter before he published, but it would have defeated the purpose of his fake news story. A PDF of the book can be downloaded for free using the title. You can verify what we discovered for yourself. The FEMA manual for the drill appears as Appendix A. Nobody died at Sandy Hook. James H. Fetzer address, and so forth. Now, I'm not holding my breath that they're going to publish because they're just as much a part of the mockingbird media where the CIA began infiltrating the mainstream back in the 1950s where by 1975, William Colby, then its director, testified to Congress that the agency owned everyone of any significance in the media followed by Carl Bernstein, 1977, in Rolling Stone, an article entitled The CIA and the Media, where he explained that officials had boasted that their greatest successes had been with Time Live, the New York Times and CBS. And in that era, if you controlled Time Live, the New York Times and CBS, you had a lock on the dissemination of news in the United States. His point about the family still residing there Uh, doesn't appreciate the extent to which those who pretended to have children who died there have benefited from the hoax. We've actually proven, by the way, that the children were were fabricated. They were fictions made up out of photographs of older children when they were younger. Uh, Lenny Posner is a fraud. That's not even his name. Noah Posner is a fraud. That's not even his name. Noah Posner was a fiction made up out of photographs of his older stepbrother, Michael Vabner, and Lenny, it appears, is actually Michael Vabner's father, Reuben Vabner, so that there have been occasions of my knowledge where Lenny has refused to allow his visage to be shown on television or to be videotaped, for example, Showtime has a program called the Dark Net. They have the formula of taking one clear-cut positive use of the Internet, one clear-cut negative use of the Internet, but in between they focus on a controversial issue. So they did one on Sandy Hook featuring me and Lenny Posner. Now my face is visible in their their videography more clearly, more distinctly than any other occasion, and believe me, I've been on videos thousands of times. My face is better defined in this particular video than on any other occasion. Lenny, however, would not allow his face to be shown. He said it was because he didn't want his image appearing on the internet to be subject to harassment or ridicule, but the answer, the real explanation appears to be very different. Thus, consider Lenny Posner also brought a lawsuit against Wolfgang Halbig, who's a very uh, determined student of Sandy Hook himself. In the court hearings for the lawsuit, while Wolfgang was present, Lenny never showed up. Eventually, the judge directed that Lenny have to appear for a videotape deposition. Rather than sit for a videotape deposition, Lenny withdrew the lawsuit. I'm quite convinced he doesn't want his image on any of these videos. Because someone might look at that and say, hey, I know that guy. That's Reuben Vabner." Now, just to be specific about the families, the 26 surviving families for the 20 children and six adults have split between 27 and $130 million donated by sympathetic but gullible Americans. That's more than a million bucks apiece. So they're fat and happy sitting in Sandy Hook, milking the public for all they can the Newtown School Board received a $50 million grant to build a new kindergarten through elementary school where the old school had stood, which wow. turns, out to be times, turns out to be seven times the average cost of a kindergarten through fourth grade school, which is only $7 million. So all those participants have been making out like bandits. It's an embarrassing story. It's so rare that you can catch the fake news in the process but I knew, this being a controversial case, that this reporter might very well misrepresent the facts of the matter, so I recorded it, and I have submitted a complaint to the Hartford Courant for his uh, abuse, for deliberately propagating false information about a lawsuit, though I doubt very much, that the Hartford Courant or the Associated Press will do anything whatsoever because he appears to have been acting in accordance with their own directives.
5: Wow, I didn't remember that $50 million Yeah, going out to the school they, district. They, That's they,
6: they, they even created a grant of something like $2.5 million to be split among the police officers who were props in the background. I mean, we have the manual. We have the photographs. It's all there in the book. I mean, if that anyone could read it. As this guy was claiming to have read my work and still professed to believe that Sandy Hook was real is dumbfounding. I have a good friend in Minneapolis who has the book on a DVD, and he regularly goes into public arenas and encounters people and challenges them. He says, look, here's a, this book about Sandy Hook. Uh, if you watch this book, read this book on this DVD and, and, and still believe it was real, I'll give you 100 bucks." He's given out hundreds of these DVDs, and no one has ever come back to claim the money.
5: Oh, that's hilarious. You know, Jim, when anybody has enough nerve or <laughs> craziness to try and date me, I always, I'm trying to get rid of them. I always say, uh, well, nobody died at Sandy Hook. <laughs> oh,
2: I love <laughs> it. I know, I and they
5: run, they run through the hills every time. It's hilarious. <laughs>
2: that's
3: fascinating. That's
5: <laughs> can
3: you get a
6: copy of that DVD? Uh, I'm sure we could get one, but you can da- you can download the PDF for free. You know, just put in the title "Nobody Died at Sandy Hook," and you have options to download it. Uh uh-huh. okay, good. If you get our- a copy of that DVD, that'd be great. All right, let me see if I can get one for you. Okay, I send it
4: to Stephen. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, to or what, a I expect I can do this. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, yeah that, boy, David. Just uh, if I can get a copy, I can just get it to Jay, and we'll get it out, because Jay and I have been distributing DVDs throughout the Carolinas for, gosh, what, 11 years now? A long time. We've been giving them okay. all a lot of your stuff, so okay. yeah, that would be great. Okay. Also, also, I was going to give uh, congratulations to... Uh, uh, Professor Fetzer for his uh, his publishing company Moonrock, and, and there's a reason for that. Is you know I'm I'm still amazed at people that watch these launch of uh, of uh, these these rockets they send up, and they arch very soon after launch as if they're trying to get in orbit, but these things go simply out over the ocean and drop in the the apollo thing is one of the biggest hoaxes and jim's been covering this for a long time so congratulations on your publishing company moon rock uh publishing i love that so uh, congratulations on that That's yeah, a good well name.
6: well coincidentally our, our our fourth and final story is about how the nba star uh, uh stephen curry is insisting that the moon landing was a hoax and of course he's a hundred percent correct about it
4: let exactly. me read
6: you the story let me yep. read you this story, and then I can comment on it for you. If yep. so I can get, get, get it to uh, uh, scroll, get my, okay. there it is. N- NBA Steven, star Stephen Curry has questioned the NASA moon land. He's claiming that man has never set foot on the lunar surface. Appearing on former teammate
2: Kent
6: <laughs> Kent Blazemore and Vince Carter's Winging It podcast, podcast the golden state warrior point guard said he doesn't believe the groundbreaking moon landing ever happened we ever been to the moon curry asked during the show his question was met with negative responses from the host before the player added they're going to come and get us i i don't think so either and of course he means you know the men in black because they're denying here's the rest of the story curry apparently supports a theory which states that the entire apollo operation including the lunar landing was staged by director Stanley Kubrick who was hired by NASA to do it. Responding to Curry's skepticism, NASA invited him to visit Johnson Space Center in Houston to see the moon rocks stored there. We'd love for Mr. Curry to tour the lunar lab at our Johnson Space Center in Houston. Perhaps the next time the Warriors are in town to play the rockets, NASA spokesman Allard Butel said. Uh, We have hundreds of pounds of moon rock stored there. And the Apollo mission control during his visit he can see firsthand what we did 50 years ago as well as what we're doing now to go back to the moon in the coming years but this time to stay well I put up four different tweets about it in support of Stephen Curry the fourth of which was the first three were interviews I did one with Dennis Camino it was a top Navy electronics troubleshooter before he left and went to work for Raytheon about the great moon landing hoax. The second was a further interview with Dennis about the moon landing and hoax, including aspects we haven't covered before. The third was a presentation I gave for a group of students, an overview about the moon landing hoax. The fourth is a more recent interview interview I did with a fellow named Scott Henderson was discovered in the footage indications that it was actually filmed in, a, in a, a waste dump, in a landfill in northwestern Arizona. But here's the latest tweet I put up. Hashtag moon landing hoax. Werner von Braun led an expedition to the Antarctic to gather moon rocks dislodged from the moon by the impact of small asteroids and caught in an Earth's gravitational field so they could be produced as fake proof that we went to the moon. And that's exactly what NASA is doing. I have just now published a second expanded and revised edition of our second book. And I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, which Mike Palachek, the series editor, had suggested as an appropriate response to our first with the title, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. And I suppose we didn't go to the moon either. (laughs) We didn't go to the moon either. But we have there, you know, uh, the original four chapters, a couple expanded and revised. We have a new chapter actually by Dennis about the moon landing. Then we have four chapters about Paul McCartney, his death on 9-11-1966 and replacement by a figure we refer to as Paul. He was actually introduced by the Beatles in the Sgt. Pepper uh, album as the one and only Billy Shears, which shows the nickname for William Shepard, who was a session musician known as the man of a thousand voices. We include there the studies by two Italian forensic scientists who set out to disprove the hypothesis that they were different, but wound up confirming it because while Paul had bad teeth and a narrow palate, Paul, or fake Paul, his replacement, had good teeth and a normal palate, while Paul had a roundish face, Uh, uh, Paul has an oval face While Paul was about the same height as Jane Asher His fiancée, Paul towers over her by at least Six inches, they even differ in their ears And Paul, interestingly, is the only person I've ever known to be caught wearing a fake earpiece All of this is in what I regard as my favorite book From all of Moonrock books And I suppose we didn't go to the moon either Which, let me add might make a terrific Christmas gift if you got a friend or relative with a mind ever so slightly ajar you might want to think <laughs> about this for another another of our moon rock books check them out
5: yeah I've got that book Jim <laughs> that's a good one uh, anybody any comments questions
4: uh, go ahead Jim yeah I don't want to jump back in Jim uh, this is Steve and Charlotte again uh, can you uh, Catch us up, Dee and I were talking about this uh, you know, ahead of you, you coming on, but uh, to kind of give us uh, some update on uh, the uh, situation with the California fires. I know you've been you know, studying that, so uh, you can kind of catch us up oh, on here. I have,
6: if you go to my blog and scroll down beyond just the most recent articles, you'll find I republished three from State of the Nation that's been very, very good in following this. Uh, They appear to be deliberately set. It appears to be done using directed energy weapons. You have homes completely destroyed, the surrounding bushes and trees not even singed. You have an automobile in the middle of a road that's completely destroyed. You even have metal parts melted. These are no ordinary wildfires. This is deliberately contrived. It's being done, it appears to to take possession of the land as kind of an alternative to eminent domain. There are lots of mineral resources there, but it's also the case that the path that is being destroyed or left by these uh, uh, directed energy weapons corresponds to the proposed route for high-speed rail in California, even to the, the, the transit up to Las Vegas from from Los Angeles area. It's stunning the degree to which they correspond, where the husband of Dianne Feinstein, the Democratic senator from California, stands to make profits of hundreds of billions of dollars on the high-speed rail. So this is very, very nasty stuff, and I encourage you, once again, to go to jamesfetzer.org, and just start scrolling backwards through all the blogs when you find three of them in a sequence about the California fires.
5: Yeah, that's just amazing situation there. And and the fact that people can actually look at that and not realize that fires don't melt the aluminum hub hubcaps that are running on the ground beside the car, you know, melted aluminum and other metals. It, it just... And a plastic mailbox left outside of a house that's just incinerated. And the and the death that happened from that and the disruption of people's lives, it's a huge travesty. And, and I it just about lost it when someone was telling me that, oh, that's just another one of those theories, you know, because I've done quite a bit of research on the subject myself, and it's right in your face. All you have to do is yeah. really look. Old. I told her, I yeah. said, just go in and, and – and duck, duck, go into your search engine, whatever, and and typed "alternative views of the fires in Paradise," for instance. And and then she she yeah. got back to me. She said, "Oh my God." <laughs> well, <laughs> you, know, I had, uh,
6: you know, you're
5: absolutely right. There's, there's something
6: like that. By the way, about the Moon Book, I added a, se- a preface to the second edition, and I included reference to three different articles that have appeared in the last uh, five or six years. One was a NASA spokesman announcing that the principal objection, the principal objection to, or obstacle to fl- manned flights to Mars is the Van Allen radiation belt, not realizing that if the Van Allen radiation belt is an ob- obstacle to space travel now, since it was created at the same time as Earth about 4.5 billion years ago, then it was obviously a problem in 1969-70 as well. Uh, second. A Uh, It turns out that there was a treasure trove of moon landing videos that were found. As I recall, it was down in Florida, probably someone who used to work at the Space Center. This, of course, if it were all legit, would be the most precious visual record ever created by the hand of man. Although I must say, personally, I don't believe it would have been possible to take photography on the moon that cosmic rays would have destroyed the photographic plates. But if you assumed it was real then you'd expect NASA would nurture and treasure and preserve instead, knowing that their fakery could be exposed by modern digital technology. They destroyed this trove of of treasure tapes. In addition, third, and this is perhaps even the most telling, NASA has offered a $30,000 award for assistance in solving its space poop problem. It turns out that the diapers they have now for the astronauts will only Secure 14 hours worth of poop so that given we have these ventures into the moon taking seven to eight days, you realize rather rapidly by putting two plus two together that the whole NASA story of our traveling to the moon is nothing but a humongous pile of space poop.
5: (laughs) Too much for a diaper, that's for sure. (laughs)
6: <laughs> yeah, there's
3: astronauts on the space station talking about they're working on the problem of getting through the Ant Van Allen belt so we can go back to the booth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, on the California fires, there was, a car, there was a car with its rims melted, and then right next to it was a was a plastic trash can that wasn't touched, and the caption <laughs> over the trash can was microwave
6: safe.
5: Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God.
6: <laughs> very good, very good, very good. Well, you guys are terrific, and I really appreciate these opportunities to spend these evenings with you together. And I know uh, uh, Fred couldn't be here because he and his wife are committed to a choral rendition for Christmas, and they had to make their rehearsal. But, but Dee, you've done a commendable job of filling in, and I always appreciate engaging with all of you. I think you're really an excellent group. I'm serious about your research, and I'll see if I can come up with a DVD of Nobody Died at Sandy Hook.
5: Yes, that would be much appreciated. We could pass that around for sure. That would be great, Jim. Thank you, Jim.
6: Yeah,
4: that
5: would be great. Yeah.
6: My great. My great pleasure. My great pleasure.
4: Yeah, just, and uh, we
5: appreciate you, too. Go ahead. To give,
4: to give one, one more thing, too, I know uh, one of the things, too, Jim, that uh, when you were making reference to uh, the California fires, uh, it, it reminds me of what happened after Hurricane Katrina when uh, the walls did their job. The, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, New Orleans was dry. CNN showed it. And then after they blew the walls, the punch bowls started filling up, and they simply took over the land after everything was destroyed and just stole the land. That's it, exactly yeah. what happened in Katrina. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, we have a guest on that is a friend of mine in Charlotte that used to live there, and she, she's aware of that, them, them blowing the walls. And uh, that was another, you know, uh, sad thing uh, that was simply just yeah. stealing, making an opportunity happen that they were hoping would yeah. hit the walls, but they didn't. They blew them. They blew the walls. And yeah, the right. They actually
6: blew the dikes. You're right. They blew the dikes in New Orleans because you had a lot of black families that had been living there forever, the yep. property was of tremendous real estate value. They wanted to clear it so they could appropriate it and create high-rent districts. It's appalling, but yep. we find this happening in America time after time. So as they say, it's an important clue to follow the money.
4: Right. It's an opportunity that somebody saw a, a capital, capital a way of capitalizing on a uh, impoverished area to, uh, to turn it.
6: Yes. Yes, completely
5: hmm that's sad yeah they keep doing that <laughs> you don't know where they're going to pop up next hopefully it's going to start diminishing the more truth that keeps coming out you can't get away with this stuff the gentleman they are getting away with
4: the gentleman that was okay. on a minute ago that was asking about the dvd jim uh jay he actually went there to uh help uh rescue animals out of the houses <laughs> really, really nice fellow and
6: commendable that was commendable but it's uh yeah, It's clearly a manufactured event. This is all quite deliberate. There's nothing accidental. It's not wildfires. It's right. deliberately uh, c- constructed using directed energy weapons to clear the land for multiple nefarious purposes, alas.
5: Yep. 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 Hopefully people are catching on to this. The more of them that happen, the more news comes out about it. And uh, I know a lot of people, I mean, it used to bother me when people criticized me for these things, but now I don't even care. <laughs> I just, Jim, tell, if they're going to get nasty with me, I just say, hey, I know something you don't know, so what are you going to do about it?
3: <laughs> Jim, I know you've seen that picture of that house, like, cutting the path. Like, a third of the house is standing there without being even singed, and the rest of the house is leveled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
6: Ridiculous. But it was—it's—it's stunning when you get into it, and I—I uh, I had a conversation with a lawyer today because I'm looking for—I—I I, I am putting together a team here, and this lawyer looked like he was going to be pretty good. I liked his manner; he seemed very down to earth. He told me that you know he represented people he knew were guilty of crimes. He mentioned drug dealers. He thought, I also deserved representation. I think as long as he believed I was making false allegations, that that was okay and he was prepared to defend me. When I sent him a, a whole parcel of proof that, in fact, it had been a FEMA drill, including a copy of the FEMA manual and a series of images showing how they faked Noah Posner out of photographs of his older uh, alleged older stepbrother, Michael Vabner, he dropped the case like a hot potato. He told me he couldn't do it. He, you know, he just backed off. So when he thought I was wrong, what I was claiming was false, he was up for it. When he discovered what I was claiming was true and that I could prove it, he backed off.
5: Oh, I bet that scared the wits out of him, Jim.
6: <laughs> I think it did, maybe. It's bizarre. I think it became too big a case, you know, too big a case for him to handle.
5: Yeah, I figured his career would be over if he jumped into that mess. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. We're
6: going to be diligent about this, and I welcome the lawsuit. It's an opportunity to expose this immense hoax on the American people. And once the public sees through one of these, they're not going to be so easily played again because there's a whole sequence, as I was explaining to the reporter, not just Sandy Hook, but the Boston bombing, San Bernardino, Charlottesville, Las Vegas, Parkland. Uh, I mean, it's outrageous what's been going on here. And frankly, it's been the Democrats who are perpetrating these hoaxes to benefit their gun control agenda.
5: Hmm. Yep, that's become pretty obvious, hasn't it? And oh boy with this global reset coming up and everything is happening in the uprising in France and around the world boy so much is changing I tell you it is amazing
6: it is. it is Trump I think committed a blunder however by not condemning the the, the, the MBS for the murder of Khashoggi. There's overwhelming evidence he was responsible. It was a particularly brutal murder. I have photographs you would not want to see uh, of how they dismembered him while he was alive. I mean, it was a sadistic killing. Before they find who
5: who dismembered him, the Saudis, or is that how it really rolled down, or? Yeah. Of course. Well wasn't he a wasn't he yeah. s wasn't he a criminal, like a mobster? Wasn't he guilty of lots of collusion and crime? I mean I'm not saying well, that justifies him getting cut up, but
6: <laughs> No, no, Didi. This guy was uh, exposing corruption in the Saudi royal family and they didn't like it.
5: Oh, I thought he was, he was uh, a criminal and, you know, no. they had a, no, no not at all. Uh, the Crown
6: Prince had a team of 15 down there, including a guy who was an expert at dismembering bodies with a saw.
1: So you oh, may or God. may not have
6: caught it, but Lindsey Graham said there was a smoking saw after, you know, Gina Haspel of the CIA mm-hmm. gave him a briefing on what they know about it. The Turks have the Saudi consulate bugged. They have both video and audio, so they pretended that they learned about it through a transmission through a watch, which couldn't possibly have done it. But I, I've got the photographs. I mean, they're so gruesome. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to see them, but this was all a deliberate uh, murder, and I'm afraid the Saudis do a lot of this. They just happen to be caught this time.
5: Yeah, I knew that it was a murder, and but I, did, I, I had heard some things about him that caused... But was he was a good guy on the on the trail of a of the bad guys? Because I, I that was what I was confused about. I mean, you you, you you you
6: you you are being played. There's all kinds of propaganda stories. Believe oh, me. Oh, I know is there vicious, is.
5: I just haven't had a chance to really look deep. to really look deeply into that story. So I'm glad you're this explaining is, it to. Me.
6: This is a vicious murder, and Trump blew it by not condemning. The uh, Crown Prince. How the Senate has condemned the Crown Prince unanimously, unanimously.
5: Oh God, that's not good.
6: <laughs> well, Trump, Trump misplayed his hand. This is very shocking to me. I, I do a lot yeah. of international news TVs, and I explained why Trump had to rise to the occasion and assert the moral authority of the United States by condemning this barbarous, sadistic action. And he didn't it, do it out of a sense of liking and loyalty to the crown prince. Major mistake by Donald. I want to see him succeed, but this was a blunder.
5: I wonder if he realizes that at this point. or Gosh, I hope someone is working on cluing him into that. <laughs>
6: see, it's in the paper tomorrow. You'll see the, con- the unanimous Senate condemnation will be in your paper tomorrow
5: oh wow also i wanted to point
4: out too, in, in the in the newsletter and au network.tv in the newsletter we have a uh, uh jim's most recent interview on press tv with u.s invaded afghanistan for vast mineral resources so if anybody gets a chance to uh, see some of the latest jim's work uh there's a youtube up that's on our newsletter that's not yeah that's
6: that's wonderful. That's not actually my latest. I've done two or three since then, including about the Crown Prince. And stuff.
4: Oh, okay. Uh,
6: you yeah. Know. yeah, so keep keep going. Yeah, they call me rather freak I've done over 100 interviews with Press TV.
4: Yeah. yeah, we just put that one up, Jim. I do that newsletter on Wednesday night, so I did want to get something, you know, up with your That's work. Good.
6: Up. That's good. That's good. I can't thank you all enough for this opportunity, and I look forward to next time, which I expect will be in the new year, 2019. So I wish you not only Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, but the best for the new year.
5: Thank you, Jim. We wish the same for you, and thank you for your gracious time spending it with us. We really appreciate it. It's always fun and exciting. Absolutely. And uh, I did meet you a couple of times at Portland State in Oregon, and I I treasure those uh, that time with you because I got to actually look at you and listen to you. <laughs> it was a real treat for me.
6: Well, it's wonderful, D.D. And I just recommend you know the new blog at jamesfetzer.org. That's where my latest blogs will appear, and and you know will continue to do these intermittently as opportunity permits.
5: Yeah, I know Fred would have liked to have been here, so. Same to you on Happy Holiday, Merry Christmas. I know uh, a lot of patriots uh, that uh, their whole life is around this don't do a lot of celebrating, but I hope everybody gets to have some fun and really enjoy the, the upside of, the, of this time of year. I can't believe it's almost Christmas. It just seems impossible. <laughs>
6: right around the corner. In fact, I yeah. wondered, wondered if anyone would be here for a conversation tonight because you'd be all out shopping and everything else.
2: Anyway, oh, I'm no. delighted.
6: Delighted to have this opportunity once again.
2: Oh, yeah. I met you yeah. in
6: Washington, D.C., Jim. Hey, again.
3: I met you in Washington, D.C.
6: Ah, ha, ha. That
3: recent JFK conference? No, it was when the uh, Iraq war demonstration was going on, and then the next morning we uh, got together for breakfast for a brunch for 9-11 truce with Gabriel Day. and
6: Gabriel Day was a good guy. Yeah, do you remember that? Vaguely, i got to admit, my memory of that specific event is not very clear. But, uh, I mean, it sounds see, like was, it was... See, I,
3: I was a 9-11 truther on the day it happened. I went, oh,
6: my God, this is bullshit.
2: <laughs>
6: the day it happened, you know. Oh, uh, the day it... Well, I was the same because... I was at home. We had a daughter living in Brayden who called up and said, turn on your TV. I was just sitting in lying in bed, reading the paper and drinking a cup of coffee. And we saw the one tower smoking and then the other. And when they came down, I said to myself, I said, this is impossible. But I couldn't imagine. And I had this thought then how I'd ever be in a position to do anything about it. Then years later, I'd wind up founding scholars for 9-11 Truth. Now I've been flown all over the world to give talks about 9-11 Publishing books about it and continuing my efforts to get the truth out. So life can be full of surprises.
3: And then, uh, um, uh, what you know, what what my whole thing on 9/11 was, as the first tower was coming down, I said, "Our government did this." And the guy sitting next to me said, "How can you say that?" And I said, "Because they've been telling us we're under attack for hours." Yeah. For over an hour, okay? Yeah. They're telling us that 20 other planes are presumed hijacked. They're I, telling us they're using planes as weapons. And you're trying to yeah. tell me while all this is going on, some some commercial aircraft yeah. flying at 500 mile an hour off course for 45 minutes yeah. could, hit the, could fly into the most heavily defended <laughs> airspace in the world and hit the Pentagon while we're I under know. attack? I said, bullshit, that
6: can't happen. You got it 100% right. You got it 100% right. And I wish you all the very best for the coming new year.
5: Thank you, Jim. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and end the recording, everyone. You're welcome to stay on after. Steve has to get up early in the morning, so we're let him off the hook. And, Jim, thanks again, and we'll see you next time for sure. And be safe and, and happy. You.
6: Thanks so very, very much. You're so welcome. Thank Jim. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry
2: Christmas.
1: A-U-N, American Education Award.